Thank you guys so much for that awesome worship. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, I'm Logan, um, our professor here. So, as you can tell, we're going to be talking about loving unprompted. Um, now, it's really funny, actually. I told my girlfriend Steph that I'll be preaching today, and her parents, without me ever communicating with them, decided to drive up to San Diego. So, parents, they heard the sermon before I preached it. Pretty impressive. Um, so if you see that, make sure to give them a lot of love. But before I start, by a show of hands, how many of us have heard a sermon about love? It's a pretty common topic. I'm willing to bet you've heard at least more than one. And it's one of those ones where maybe you walk into the sermon, you're like, okay, another one about love, right? Yeah, I'm going to get my zone out in a moment, thinking about some daydreaming. But my goal today is love is something we hear a lot, but that's because it's quite important. It's one of the most foundational pillars to being a Christian. I would say it's one of the most basic things about being a Christian. And here's the thing, if you do not master the basics, you can't perform well in anything else. So our goal today is to master the basics. And for those of you who don't know, I'm an engineering major. What that means is I think very mathematically and I think very directly. So today we're gonna take this apart like an engineering problem. I bet you guys have expected that today, but let's go with that one. So, the first thing you teach you as an engineer is whenever you are told something, your first question you were supposed to ask is why. So, when we're told to love unprompted, what's our first question? Why? why? All right, so we start with why. And so, we're going to start in a verse that I know you've heard before. And again, we're going to read it. It's 1 John chapter 4, 7 and 8. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has love has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I love this verse so much. I love the part that says that God is love. That is who God is. To understand his character, we need to understand what love is. But honestly, my favorite part of this scripture is this part right here. It says, whoever does not know love does not know God. Here's the interesting thing about the scripture. The scripture is found where? The Bible. Good job. The scripture is found in the Bible. So if you're reading the Bible, you might think, hey, I know a little bit about God. In fact, I'm reading the Bible. That's probably more than most, right? I open my Bible, I got this part. I know something about it. Maybe you've been reading the Bible your whole life. Maybe it's your first time. You're like, okay, I understand who God is. But here's the thing about the scripture. It's telling the people who are actively pursuing it, hey, if you don't understand the concept of love, even all this knowledge in the Bible will not help. Because God is love, and if you do not understand what love is, then you've missed the whole point, and you do not understand who God is. Yeah, that's right. So it's pretty important to know why we should think about loving right? Because without it, we are false. If we claim to be Christians and we don't know what love is, we don't know God and we're not Christians. So right here, we see the why. The next question they teach us an engineer to ask, when they, they ask you why does something work this way? The next question is how? So what's our next question? How do we love, right? What is the standard of our love? And so in John chapter 13, it gives us the most clear standard on what love is. So it says, a new command I give you, 
Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So the first thing to key off here is that scripture starts with a new command. It's an interesting statement here that Jesus is giving a new command. There was a command to love your neighbor as yourself. Pretty high standard. By show of hands, how many of us love ourselves? <laughs> okay, good. Got some of love. For those of you who didn't raise your hands, amen. I hope you get there. Wow. But it's pretty easy to love ourselves, right? Sometimes we even look in the mirror like, wow, that is a beautiful person. <laughs> right? Pretty proud of being self-serving, right? You self -serving, right? You save yourself, you keep yourself, you take care of yourself, you cry for yourself. But now we've been given a new command. There's a new standard here. To love as Christ has loved us. It's pretty, pretty high command there. This is the most selfless love you can possibly imagine. And I don't need to probably describe to you what the love of Christ looks like, but I can tell you that it's a more powerful love than any of us have ever given or experienced. And so it's crazy about that. But my favorite part of this scripture is right there after, as I have loved you, there could have been a period. There could have been a period. It could have just been, you need to love each other as I have loved you. Period. Move on to the next one. But it's not a period. It's a comma. And it starts off with one of the most very little parts you can ever read in the scripture. The word, you must. If you ever see the you must in the Bible, you should probably highlight that right on your part. Because if there's a must in the Bible, that's something to key off. And so it says, you must love one another. Right? That is a standard. It's not just love your neighbor as yourself. It's not, hey, as I have loved you, you should love one another. It's you must That's love right. one another. So this is a pretty integral thing here. This is a very core foundational principle of Christianity is that we must love one another. And so our next question as our engineers today, or as we're trying to get to this answer, is what does this love look like? What does the problem look like? How do we show this love, right? We have an idea of love. Maybe you've seen a few Disney movies and you've got a good idea of what romantic love is. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I felt really hurt. Somebody did something for me. So what is the standard of love in the Bible? And now we're going to turn to the love is patient, love is kind. I'm just kidding. I'm going to turn to Matthew. Because I think Matthew actually has a really good understanding of what love is actually looks like. And I split into two verses because I love the contradiction and duality of these verses. And so in the verse 41 and 42, it says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then in verse 46, it says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you are great, only to, if you greet your only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans. And so my favorite part of that first scripture, I love the imagery. If somebody asks you to go one mile, go with them too. I always imagine, you know, you're in like a battle or something, and you see your ancient brother, and you pick him up, and put him on your shoulders, and like, I'm not just going to take you one, I'm going to take you two. You're not heavy, you're my brother. I got you. I'm going to carry you through that group. And so I never I hear that, I'm like inspired. I'm like, you know what? I want to be that friend in my life who can take my friend, put him on my back. I'm going to go two miles. When you ask, I'm going to give you more than you need. Right? And I think and sometimes I've done that in my life. Sometimes I've done that. But those moments where you put something on your back and say, you know what? I will do anything. And actually this week I was driving to school. I was minding my own business, listening to my music. I get a call from Dylan Smith to And just out of the blue, no context, 
He calls me and he says, hey, I'm just giving you a daily reminder that I want to go with the very fits and glory. Oh. For those non-nerds out there, it means I'm basically walking to hell. And I was just like, what? Most thing, but I was very encouraged. It was just so random. And I believe, I'm like, if I know anything about Snow's character, you probably would just have a piercing video. <laughs> so I really appreciated that about this character. And so I'm always inspired by those relationships in my life. The people who have really gone the extra mile with me. A lot of them are in this room. I know Kyle has gone an extra mile with me. He's gone more than an extra mile. Not just picked me up and carried me and dragged me into that. You know, Ryan has sat with me in cars and we had long discussions about transfer from what would a potty time superhero look like to what is our deepest, darkest fears. And so these people have really gone. But the part that always catches me off is the verse 46 part, that if we are only focused on loving those who show us love, what good is that? Not going to lie to you, it's pretty easy to love those. Yeah. It's easy to love the people that you spend a lot of time with, that encourage you, that do things for you, like, oh, yeah, I'd love to love you. That person at work, yeah, not so much. <laughs> the person in my class, a little less, you know. Sometimes my family, yeah. You know, you hit these moments where there's those less encouraging people. The people who not only will not go the, up the first mile with you, but will actively make it harder for you to get to me. Those are the people where I'm like, I don't know if I got love for you, you know. <laughs> but this is the standard, right? We're talking about the way Christ loves. I think the most exemplary example of love is when Christ is on the cross and he's praying for the people who are actively persecuting him as he's dying saying forgive them. Right. If there was ever a moment to be a little selfish or a little bitter, that was the moment. Right. But even in that moment, he's praying and caring for the people who are actively trying to cause him harm. This is what that love looks like. This is what it leads to. Right? It's a love that goes against mile that does everything it can, but more importantly, it does everything it can for those who don't deserve it. For those who have earned it. Right? That's what true love looks like. I don't know if every, you guys have ever had moments where you've had someone who truly loves you and you know they love you and they do something awesome for you, but then there's that person who like has no relationship with you or not very close. They do something kind of unprompted. You're like, wow, that was awesome. You know, I love a lot of things about my dad, but my dad is not an emotional person. He's not at all. And I respect that for him. I know my biggest connection with him will probably be when I watch a game of football. You know, so I'm, I'm chill with that. I'm okay with that. But one of the most, like, impactful moments for me is, like, whenever my dad comes up to me and he gives me, like, a little pat on the back and says, hey, I'm proud. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Like, if somebody else said that, I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. But when my dad says, I'm like, oh, he's proud of me. No. And it's deeper because I don't hear that anymore. It's when I hear it, I know he means it. And it takes a lot for him to say that. And so, like, even more when I see the other people in my life who I don't really expect that from when they do something like that, and it's unprompted, it hits me really hard. I'm like, wow, that is really caring, really loving. As Christians, that's why we're called to it. This love makes impact. That's why we still talk about Jesus 2,000 years later. This is love made impact on you. Yeah. went to the people who persecuted went to the social outcast, and he didn't just go to them, he went the extra mile. It's really amazing to see, but to better describe love as well, I really love this verse, and I really was torn on two different translations of it, so the ESV and the NIV are up there, and I'm going to read them both, I'll tell you why I have them both up there, but I'll go ahead and read them first. It says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, 
Outdo one another in showing honor. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above these things. And so I was torn when I was picking these translations. I was like, I can't decide which one I love. But I love that the both start off with love must be genuine and love must be sincere. Right? Because sometimes it's easy to be like, you know what, I should be loving that person. I'm going to go do it. But you do it with the most bitter part in the world. <laughs> I've had times where I'm like, you know what, I don't come around the house and take care of everyone's dishes. And I'm like, as I'm doing the dishes, I'm like, I can never do this. <laughs> I don't think that does much. They might not know it, but I'm a little bitter at heart. Or like, they come in and drop another dishes and do the dishes. I'm like, really? <laughs> but I realized it's like, hey, that's not loving him. I'm just sitting here and I'm trying to make the appearance of love. That has no It's not sincere. It's not genuine. I'm just doing it from the So it starts with, again, must. It must be genuine. It must be sincere. And again, it's easy to be genuine and sincere with the people who love you. Really easy to do that. A lot harder to do it with the ones who love But I love how it continues. I love the little ending part here. And I love the difference between I love how it says outdo one another in showing each other honor. Can you imagine how different of a world we would live in if people tried to outdo each other in showing love and honor? As opposed to outdoing each other in looks, or outdoing each other in finances, or outdoing each other in sports. What if we were trying to out encourage? Yeah. One of my favorite things about going to youth camps is there's always a, at the end of the day, there's sat as a little like circle where everyone's encouraging somebody else for something they did that day they saw. And it's kind of one of those ones where everyone's like, oh, I'm trying to outdo you with the encouragement I give you. And everyone's like, no, you are so great. And so you leave all those circles, like spend a whole day getting exhausted doing things. You leave those circles so uplifted. It's like, oh my gosh, so much encouragement. Yeah. And I always love those teen camps and youth camps because I'm like, wow, this is a little bit of what happened looks like. Everyone trying yeah. to encourage each other and love each other. And then you come back to the world and everyone's kind of like tearing you down. And you're like, <laughs> So one of those things is just how different would our world look if we're truly trying to outdo each other in love and respect. And I love the way the NIV ends it too, saying honor one another above yourselves. This one gets close to home to me. You know, one of the things that lately for like the last two years on and off, a thought always kept popping up in my head right before I go to bed. And it's gonna sound super depressing. It wasn't depressing necessarily when I thought it. It was more of an acceptance. And acceptance of whenever, no matter how good or bad of a day I had, whether it was the best day, the worst day, or the most neutral day, the thought that kept popping in my mind whenever I go to my bed, I was like, what does it matter? Because I'm probably the only one who cares about how my day Because at the end of the day, everyone cares only about themselves and puts themselves first. And so I've, I, hit my, I would always put my head to the pillow thinking, you know what, it doesn't really matter what this day was because I'm the only one who really cares. And that's okay. But I understand that. I kept thinking that for a long time. And it's, again, it sounds pretty negative. It probably is. Um, but what kind of hit me at the end of the day, kind of wakes me up with this verse, is I spent so many times thinking that thought. And yet I never thought, how was somebody else? I never sat there and I thought, like, how are they doing? I thought about all the things of, why does nobody care about how I'm doing? I never stopped to think, how was everyone else? I'm the one going to bed thinking this thought. And yet I'm doing nothing to change it for others. So again, how different of a world would it look if we thought of others above ourselves, if we chose to honor them or we chose to honor us. That's what different love looks like. 
But with all this said, loving others and being all these things and trying to love as Christ is exhausting. <laughs> it's burdensome. I don't know if you ever tried that. I come back from those teen camps and youth camps. I come back and I sleep for like 14 hours. <laughs> you're knocked out. You're delirious. Because you've given so much of yourself in so many people. So I actually want to give us a warning. And it's in Galatians uh, chapter 6. And it's in 1 through 6. And it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they defeat, deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all the good things with the instruction. Now, there's a lot of good things in here, but what I want to key in on is this. Is we have this two duality here. And at first, they seem like it's saying opposite things. It says... Uh, we need to help each other to carry each other's burdens, but then you're also responsible for carrying your own load. It's kind of confusing. Are we sharing the load or are we carrying our own? But the, the difference is in the word burden and load. A burden is something that is causing you to be destroyed, something that's weighing you down, something you can't carry on. The equivalent of trying to carry a car on your back, it's just it's not going to happen. A load is something more manageable. A load might be a little weight or a weight vest or a hard time. But you know what? I can carry that. And so the, the thing this scripture is saying is that we need to help share the load. I mean, help share the burden, but carry our own load. To go back to the engineering, I actually learned the term this week in my uh, strength of materials class. And for those who don't know, it's about strength of materials. <laughs> um, and so it has a, a topic. It's actually a mathematical topic. It's called fatigue. So for those who didn't know, you can actually mathematically calculate fatigue. Um, and so what fatigue is, is every substance, no matter how strong or how weak, has something called microfractures. And microfractures are really, really tiny, tiny, tiny cracks in a system. So no matter what it is, they'll have cracks. Now, the stronger materials will have less of them and they'll be smaller. Weaker materials have more of them, they'll be bigger. But once you put it under a burden, once you put it under a load, and once you start using it, those microfractures become longer. And they begin to expand and expand until they connect with one another and they create actual cracks and fractures. And then those cracks and fractures, when they are continued to load, make the machine fall apart and be destroyed. And so in the same way as Christians, when we overload ourselves, our microfractures start to become larger. They start to bleed into each other. Everyone's got microfractures. You've got your weaknesses. You've got your hurts. Right. And the more you overburden yourself, those hurts expand. They become larger and larger and larger until they bleed into one another. And if you let it go on long enough, those microfractures lead to an actual crack in the whole system. And if that goes on long enough, you fall apart. Yeah. And so what needs to happen here is what this verse is telling us is, hey, if you are trying to carry too much things for everyone else, if you're trying to put too many people on your back, it's going to stress you. Now, everyone here has a different strength of their own material. Some of us can handle larger burdens. Some of us can't. And that's okay. But the idea is once you see those microfractures starting to expand, you need to also know when you are allowed to unload away from yourself, when you need the support of others. And in the same way, sometimes one of the most healthy things you can do for somebody is to allow them to fail. It's one of the hardest things to learn as a parent is to allow a child to fail of their own decision. 
But when you take away the opportunity to fail, nothing is learned, no one grows. Yeah. So part of sometimes being a healthy Christian is to allow somebody to carry their own load and feel the weight of that to become stronger. Part of it also as a healthy Christian is to understand, I'm carrying everyone's load. I need help. And not to be overburdened. That's one of the plagues of being in a ministry position is you feel like everyone is your responsibility. You're like, oh my gosh, this person's suffering. I got to take that load. I got to take this load. And then you get to the end of the day, it's like, who's carrying my load? Right, right. It's really easy to get in a habit. And I've had moments where I didn't seek the support I needed to carry those loads and those fractures of my system larger until I felt. So there's that duality. There's that balance of, hey, we need to carry each other's burdens. We also need to be responsible and carry our own load. And the more you carry your own load, the stronger you get. It's just like weightlifting. You first you start with a little weight, you're like, okay, I feel this, I'm getting used to this. And you add more and you add more. The way I started out in ministry is my first responsibility was I had to speak once at a little teen circle after a lesson. They gave me a small little responsibility, like, speak first. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I really nervous. I'm like, I think it's about this. And the love increased. It was like, hey, we want you to run. Like a sport event. I'm like, okay, I can run a sport event. Then it increased, like, hey, I want you to lead a team class. Okay, I can lead a team class. I can do that. And it slowly increased and increased and increased until here I'm preaching them. And so it didn't happen all at once. It was taking on little loads that I could manage until I got to a place where I can't do bigger things. Now I'm glad I had people who knew a healthy balance of them. You know, Gio and Josh, they spent a lot of time so, okay, we're going to have a little and then we'll see how you do. And I, sometimes I teeter totter and they like, can we support you moving forward? So, in the same way, in your relationships, sometimes it's okay to say no. Sometimes it's okay to understand your limits. Loving as Christ loves does not mean putting yourself through fatigue to the point where you fall apart, because that doesn't help. But it also doesn't mean, hey, I got my own load. I don't need to help you with yours. There's a balance. We need to support one another, but be responsible for so with that, I want to leave us with one last topic, and it's the topic of selflessness. Because if I were to describe love in one word, I would say selflessness. And I actually came to a problem when I was getting to this part of my sermon. I actually found 45 different verses I wanted to <laughs> Where are we going to get five? I'm not going to that because I know we all have things to do. But what was really cool is actually when I was researching this, the word love actually comes up over 365 times in life. It's a pretty important topic. So there's a lot to be learned. So you're not going to learn everything in this 20-minute sermon. But what I can leave you with is some really important things. And so I'm going to read these scriptures. I'll talk a little bit about them. But in Philippians, it says, Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, but it is in your power to ask. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And so I kind of already talked about not looking to your own interests and the interests of others. So I'm going to let that one just sink in. But the Proverbs one I really love is the do not withhold good from those whom it is due. Do not tell them to come back tomorrow when you have it with you today. How many of us have ever heard the term, it's not what you did do, it's what you didn't do? Right. <laughs> if you're married, you've probably heard that a couple of times. 
right? Sometimes it's just loving when somebody you're like, hey, I really would love it if you did the dishes. They do the dishes, but you're like, oh, thank you, that's encouraging. How much more impactful is it when you have a dish? You're like, oh gosh, I gotta leave the house and come back. You're like, oh, what happened? You're like, oh, it's cared for. No worries. You're like, whoa, you took the time to care about my needs without me having to ask, right? And it's funny how much we value that in a relationship. Read my mind, do what I want to do. But it actually is really important. I love the scripture of do not withhold good from those don't put off till tomorrow what can be done today. It's really easy to say, you know what, that person, I can really encourage them. You know, I got an assignment to do, I got work to get to, I got church tomorrow, I don't really think I have to. Never put off loving tomorrow when you can love today. Yes. Look for the opportunities to do the good things that were not asked for. I know for me, actually, one of the things that encourages me most is when somebody does something unprompted. Hence the term, loving unprompted. Because I think it makes such an impact. I feel like if I have to ask, the battle's already lost. But if you do it before I even have to ask, that shows it. So I love that. Do not withhold good. I love that scripture. And I really love this next one that says, do not look to your own good, but to the good of others. As human beings, it is natural to benefit ourselves, to be quite selfish. We focus on our needs before everyone else. And again, what would that look like? We truly put others' needs above ourselves. Yeah. I think the only time I can think I truly did that was at the time my sisters called me at 3 a.m. to come pick them up from LA. So I went on my so I drove them that, get them at 3 a.m., got home at 4 a.m. I'm like, gosh, I'm ready to go to bed. I go to bed, I get a call from Kyle at 9 a.m. Hey, can you pick me up real quick? I'm like, I've got less than five hours to sleep under my belt. I'm sure, let's do it. And so I picked them up, took them home, and then took them home and came back. And so one of those moments of, okay, definitely wasn't put my needs first. I put those others. But there's many times where my sisters have done that for me, my brothers have done that for me. But I'm the one preaching, so I get a credit. <laughs> but for that, I love that aspect of putting other needs before our own. It's such a selfless thing, such an amazing thing to experience. But I really, really do love the last verse there that says, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone. Now, I have a funny little story with this. Me and Kyle first became Christians. One of his favorite things to do was he would slap me. And then I would get really angry. And then he said, hey, don't pay back wrong for wrong. <laughs> and so then after that, if I didn't like hit back or anything like that, he'd be like, I'm telling you first rounds in heaven here. I need the opportunity to be Christian. So it was a comedic catch-22 that he was looking for. But it is something quite impactful. Is, I don't know if any of you have ever been in a relationship where you've wronged someone. Where you really, really wronged somebody and you didn't really deserve their beauty. And you were given it anyway. You know, I was reading this one book, um, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. It's a really good book about Christianity. And he talks about the love of Christ. And he tells a story about how he was a kid and his dad had a really priceless fossil collection. And he was the only rule he really had as a kid is he wasn't allowed to play with the fossil. One time he went and he goes and plays with the fossil collection, he breaks the fossil. And as per kid usual, he panics. He freaks out, he's like, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. I feel like they could let me a cow scratching my dad's car, we'd be gone. <laughs> we wouldn't even know where we went. But he breaks the fossil collection, and the dad comes in, 
sees a fossil collection, the kid's like, I'm screwed, I'm dead in the water, I'm about to get it. And so dad comes up, picks him up, and says, Hey, are you okay? And he says, Yeah. And I'm okay. And he says, Well, that's all that matters. And that's what the love of Christ really looks like. So many times we've broken the fossil collection of Christ. We're like, oh shoot, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. But God says, Hey, are you okay? And he says, That's all that matters. And so that love of do not repay wrong for wrong, and instead love those people giving forgiveness, that's a That shows love. That shows pain. That is what it means to be true selfless. So I hope I've walked you through just a little bit what it means to be loved. So remind you guys that if we don't know love, we don't know God. That we are called to, actually, it's a fact, it's a must. That we need to love one another, to go the extra mile, to love the people who don't necessarily deserve it in our lives, to not overburden ourselves, and to be truly selfless and sympathetic with others. Thank you guys. That concludes my lesson. I'll pray for God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you call us to love, Lord. I love that it is a must, God, that in your kingdom we must love one another, God. That we not just love each other in this building, but that we love people we interact with through and through God, that we would be truly selfless and truly sympathetic to one another, God, that we would not repay wrong for wrong, but give each other encouragement, forgiveness, and compassion. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.